Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, Central Coast. How are we all doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning, Dan. <laughs> all I'm right. right here. Hey, someone's responding. Sure there we go. Mic is on. Is it on? Yes. No. The mics are on. Just, ah. yeah, kind of music mics are hot. I still have the music going. It's kind of sounds a oh, little I see. Is that the correct radio term? Mics are hot? Hot. It's hot. hot. They're off. You yeah. know, when they're off, they're cold. Ah, all right. Yes. That's that's a good little fun factoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we're done with the show, we're clear. That means we can clear go out, home. get out. That's it. That's yeah, usually tech terms. That sir. usually isn't hard. You don't have to tell us that. <laughs> at the end, we just get out. And get <laughs> yeah, out. You guys that's are so usually good. ready to go. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Get out of here. Oh it's wow, they're gone already. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that's so far away. We mm. are just getting started here. It is a few minutes after nine a.m. <laughs> Enjoyed listening to another. Uh, Motor Mouse yeah. show. These guys are good. Yeah, lots going on this weekend. Yeah, Motor Mouse. Were, yeah, they they were doing it. It's yeah. a good show. Yep. I like having them. So much better than having that infomercial that was on before us for six years. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. I like this spot. Yeah, you don't need to know any more about what they were talking about either. I'm sure it's usually <laughs> colon no. blow. No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not ready for what they're selling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a few more years. That's yeah. so cute to change the subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, for sticking around. If you were listening to the Motor Mouth Show earlier, you are now listening to Mortgage Matters. I'm Dan Podesto. I'm joined today by Mike Points. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me again. And for all those that were listening last week that decided to come out to the Paso Home Show, thanks for coming. We had a great oh, time. Yeah, yeah. We called in last week. That's right. And uh, just reminded our listeners that up in Paso Robles at the fairgrounds, it's A, still open mm-hmm. for business. And B, uh, there was over 150 vendors that just showed what they can do to help the everyday homeowner or potentially new homeowner um, prepare for improving their home or buying a home or... I usually like going to those. I get to the one in San Luis more because I, you know, yeah. I'm here on the air on Saturdays. But it gives you a lot of great ideas as to what mm-hmm. to do. Like right now, I'm doing a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Are you? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would have liked to have gone to see that. Any to, any new modern gadgets you're installing in no, your bathroom? No, just uh, just freshening up. You know, just, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, maybe some new faucets and stuff. But I yeah, mean, the, the wallpaper had been peeling for like you know wallpaper. Few months and that's what I'm so talking I took about. Down wallpaper and that was fun. <laughs> Yeah. Believe me. In the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite the 70s, but anyway. So Smart now I'm alley. doing like the paint and stippling and what okay. color is it kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually not a lot of painters that do wallpapering anymore, yeah. like wallpaper hanging, hanging correctly, or they either mm-hmm. won't do it because it's not worth it. or So um, when you see it done well in a house, it's it's unique. Yeah. But I, um, I always dread talking about redoing home projects. Mm-hmm. Um. Not because my wife is a spender, but just because she has like the most, sometimes most unrealistic features. Like we just had a conversation over dinner um, Thursday night about 
heated tile floors. Ah. And I thought to myself, I didn't think, I didn't go like right to the engineering. Like, how would you do that? I just instantly saw these dollars leave my bank account. Like, why would, how, what average person has heated tile floors? I, well, I don't Dan think does. the average. I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. No. Like the chic no. of Baba Bao no. now. He's, I'm teasing you, Dan. <laughs> did you see? Did I, I'm sure up at the Paso Home Show they had the the guy who does the um, oh no kidding. radiant floor heating. Oh no, kidding. I've seen them there before. Or I don't know if it was at that one yeah. or the slow one, but I've seen um, there is a at least one local okay. supplier for those radiant floors. Well, if that person's listening, call in. We'd like to talk to you. I'd like to hear how that works. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Would... I think mo- I think a lot of times now it's like water. It's ah, heated through water that runs the pipes. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like this disperse. little, um, it's almost like a bubble wrap kind of stuff that they roll out underneath the tile, but Brilliant. it's not. It's got like the water that gets heated. Brilliant. They're kind of common in bathrooms, I guess. That'd probably be yeah. more room, yeah. room that you would really People use like to in. wake up and step on a warm floor. Well, mm-hmm. if you have a, like down in San Diego and definitely in Mexico, it's very common to have all tile throughout the whole house. Mm-hmm. But and there, don't you kind of want a, a cold floor? You do, but sometimes it's cold. What I'd like to say, though, is if anyone wants to call in and talk about anything today, <laughs> yeah. other than, other other than what we're talking about, about now, <laughs> uh, the number to call in is 543-8830. Again, that's 543-8830. Uh, like I did that? Yeah. I yeah, that was, that was that's, felt kind of rude, that's actually. Get off a yeah. mic. <laughs> Let's get off subject. Would it improve the value of your home? Yeah. Not yeah. likely. So it was a successful home show. Yeah, it was great. I, I really, one of the things I love about North County um, that I don't feel like I get here uh, in slow every day is it's just a good old fashioned small town feel. Um, a lot of the people walking through the show were your everyday homeowner, you know, two kids, picket, picket fence, one and a half labradoodles, um, two car garage. They just had genuine questions that weren't getting answered um, with regards to their home loan. Uh, many of them were looking to purchase. Many of them had questions about our USDA product and how that worked. And many of them just wanted to know, like, hey, are rates going to go up? Because we're kind of sitting on the fence thinking that they won't. And, um, you know, I'm getting a little worried because they haven't. And I, I feel like I'm missing an opportunity. Should I buy a home now? Where my genuine response is so much more, you know, have you even looked at what it would cost you? Do rates even matter? Is this something where you could qualify? Have you changed your job recently? Things that the average home buyer just wouldn't know. They don't understand how the guidelines work for lending. And it it really created a lot of good quality conversations for Central Coast lending with the public. And I think that's what we try to do on this show. But it was just nice to do it face-to-face, old-fashioned, pull people aside, tell them what's happening. And believe it or not, we got a handful of, of uh, individuals who called in this week and said, you know, I saw you at the home show. I'd like to talk more seriously. So um, we appreciate all the people that supported us at the Paso Home Show, and thanks for coming out. That's great. You lured him in with the ice-cold water and sent him away with a bunch of knowledge. Yeah, the, the water was key. It wasn't as hot as we thought it was going to be, um, but it was definitely uh, many people needed that refreshment. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, I always uh, enjoy going to the home show myself, too. It's a, a lot of great ideas, like we were saying, and... And I think the folks that go there, take the time, set up a booth to display their wares, I, they tend to be 
the owners of the companies mm -hmm. or just people who really care. I mean, because first of all, they're taking time out of their Saturday the and weekend. Sunday. I mean, yeah. the whole weekend is lost for you to go up there. Not lost, but, you know, it's not... You're not getting personal time yeah. that weekend. So it's a you're you're sacrificing your whole weekend to do that. But it's so usually I find the caliber of people up there who whatever it is, whether it's home loans or screen doors or you know fancy faucets, they're up there and they really care about what they're doing. They're the expert at what they do, mm -hmm. and I mean, what a resource to be able to go up there and have all of your different home related questions answered by someone who is the best at what they do. Right. I think there's a balance between giving information and overselling at those things. You know, a lot of use by we were somewhere towards the end as a booth in representation throughout this maze. And by the time people got to us, they were just kind of like putting their hands in like a cross formation. Like, no, get away from me. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want a loan. <laughs> they were like, no, that's not why we're here. We actually don't even have paperwork. <laughs> No longer is it the stated income days. You have to do documents. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had a uh, had a busy week this week after the home show. Yeah, it was uh, it was the first week of September, so that means it was employment data week. You betcha. It's the last employment report before the. Um, Highly anticipated September Fed meeting, dun, dun, dun. which will be coming up two Wednesdays from now. Um, yeah. So this was this was the big data reveal here. I mean, granted, there's going to be some other other items, but this is one of the big metrics. You know, this this entire recovery, um, the Fed has been manipulating policy, looking very carefully at jobs. And housing. Housing feels very much recovered. Prices, obviously, are, are back up. Activity is about as good as you can expect, given the supply. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So I think, I think housing is really about as good as it can be. We're starting to see more building activity. That feels good. In fact, it, it feels that it's so recovered now that I haven't really heard the Fed talk about housing in probably the last six months or more. Mm. Um, it really seems to be that the conversation has has shifted a little towards still the jobs market, but more about wage growth and then also still talking a lot about inflation. Yeah. Um, so yeah. to add to that really quick, yeah. I, I don't know if you have this stat. I don't want to steal it from you, but um, year to year, wage growth has gone up 2.2% year to year. But since when? Since uh, August of 2000. Oh. Just in the last 14. year. Yeah, in the last 12 months. Wages grown 2.2%. I don't know if that's remarkable. I mean... It's... I mean, I, it's better than... It's up it, to like 25... National hourly average, not wage, but hourly average income is 25 and some change. Yeah. So that all coming together with the fact that the unemployment rate is now the lowest it's been since 2008. Yeah. I, I think on the wage growth front that you're talking about, I, th I, I don't think 2.2% is lighting the world on fire, but in comparison to where inflation is going um, and in comparison to just what we've seen even the last 15 years, that is a, a positive number. Yeah. I mean, that's not just positive literally, but it's, sure, sure. it's positive in that 
hopefully that's a sign of what's to come that we're just going to see that pick up a little bit more right and we'll really start to see some true wage growth right. i've i've seen different statistics and i don't have them in front of me but you know you go back to somewhere around 2000 2001 something like that and wages today aren't far off from wages in 2000 or 2001 so really we've had 15 years of of little to no wage growth so to see that this most recent 12-month period, we've, we've gone at about two, little above 2%, that's good because that's also in line with the Fed's inflation target. So if we can keep wages at the, growing at the same pace or better than inflation, then you know, I think that's good for the consumer. I got a question about that actually, Dan. Do you, do you see like the numbers don't really change even like, like minimum wage goes up to like $10 an hour in January. Some places they're like proposing $15 an hour. So like, is it all kind of like, you know, the minimum wage goes up, but then things don't, they grow, but they don't really grow because they're compensating for that rise in the minimum wage and stuff like that. Is that, well, I mean, if, if, if wages, Across the board, the minimum wage goes up from nine to ten dollars an hour. You're definitely going to see the wage growth figures mm. go up. I mean, is that? I don't know that I'm fully understanding the question. Well, I'm just wondering. I mean, you, know, you, you say it, it, it doesn't seem like it's changed much since 2001, even though like things like minimum wage have gone up. And people actually earn sure. more probably than they did in 2001. I see. But do you do you think it's kind of all like hand in hand? You know, well, one I, thing. I, kind of goes up with the other yeah I, what i think is happening there so yeah you're right since 2000 i think back in 2000 minimum wage is probably closer to a quarter or yeah something. six yeah. or seven bucks yeah now minimum wage well the federal minimum wage is like seven and a quarter the california state minimum wage is nine dollars and it'll be 10 in january yeah right? and and you know different states have different minimum wages but I think we can all agree that since 2000 or so, wages probably across the country have gone up somewhat. Right. Sure. Um, what it, where I think that when I say wages really haven't moved since 2000, mm -hmm. it's it's that some of the the better paying jobs, the the you know head of household or just those better paying jobs, have either they somehow they have they have been shed. To some degree, you know, the, the job that, they, you know, some individual used to be paid $80,000 for maybe got, oh, sure. got, you know, 60% of the job got passed on to a computer to do. And then, you know, automation they, <laughs> or, or outsourcing, right. Mm. Or outsourcing. That's a good point too. Yeah. So I think, I think that's what you're seeing that minimum, you know, the lowest wage earner is, is always going up ever so slightly Right. You know, whether it's no, the minimum wage or just, you know, being there and they get their wages pushed up. But it's that middle to upper level income earner. That's that's where we've seen some change mm -hmm. or less growth. Mm -hmm. So maybe another way to look at it is since 2000, the household income mm -hmm. hasn't really gone up much. Yeah, yeah. Like, there true. hasn't been a big step. And that's true. And those are the people that we typically sit down with and talk about planning for mm -hmm. new homes, larger homes. Selling homes. Yeah, and at the same time, during this last 15-year period, we've seen home prices change considerably. My, my. Yeah. You know, they've yeah. gone up. Crazy up. They've gone down. They've yeah. gone back up. And Depending we, where you live. And yeah. the numbers suggest now that, you know, we've... Most markets have recovered from the fall. So we're back up to, you know, those 2006, 7, 8 levels in most markets. 
Um, so when we do encounter folks who want to buy homes, it seems like it's much more strategic than it than it was in the early 2000s. I first got into this business in the early 2000s. I don't remember in the office these discussions of strategy and, and how to get people to qualify, and partly because there were all kinds of other programs where yeah. you could breathe yeah. on a mirror or you could just right. make up a number you know there, there was people that just tack ability. on another one at the end you know we'll take the neighboring house too but still even even then it didn't seem like the discussions of strategy with so many more unique products available in the early to mid 2000s there wasn't this level of discussion of how to get people qualified um interesting so i think i think that is telling of of how and and maybe it's just our market. Maybe it's just being in California in a very desirable coastal part of California that it, that it's hard for people to qualify because the wage to price, you know. Well, it's disparity. inventory. It's and, inventory and employers. Yeah. You know, the average employer has got ten employees in here this, in, this, in county? this county. Wow. A large, significant portion of the of the employers are ten. There's quite a few employers that have three hundred. You know, the mind bodies, the um, IQMSs have quite a few employees there's there's obviously employers that 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 make it happen here but the everyday guy or gal that owns a business manages 10 employees and those wages can't go up unless sales go up and if that market is hurt because of you know that it's in the energy sector like what we're seeing in texas a lot of what jobs are just people are just sent to the couch until barrel goes back price per barrel goes back above 50 55 dollars that really hurts us here. What we see more here in this county, if you live here, you know this, is it's a little bit more of a um, tech slash um, service-based mm -hmm. industry. We offer services all throughout the state, all throughout the nation. We don't do a lot of business right here in Slow per se. I mean, we, a lot of us like to do business locally, but a lot of our dollars can come from all over the place. So I think that helps. But to rein in my point, I feel like in the Central Coast, it's so difficult because the inventory is so short or in, in such a shortage that the average person has to go out to San Miguel, um, Paso, the outskirts of Atascadero to find a, a piece of property that they really can afford and love. Mm. And then the person who either you know has a gift coming from parents, has money just in general because they're a little bit better paid, they get to swoop into San Luis Obispo, Cayucos, Morro Bay, if you will, and, and pick up a house at they really want to buy. So the, everyone else has to strategize. I always love the way you say Cayucos. Cayucos. Yeah. There's a U in Cayucos. There is. I believe that's you how just the, really emphasize the that Native last, Americans would pronounce that, that it. That O. Yeah. yeah. It's different. You mention it every time I say it. It's because it uh, doesn't it's, make sense. <laughs> yeah. No, it just sticks out. It sticks out. Hey, that's just part of the unique quality that Mike brings to the table. Great guy. Just says Cayucos kind of funny. It's all right. We like you, Mike. It's 924. It shows. <laughs> it's, uh, it's time for the first commercial break of the show. We've got a whole lot more for you later in the show. And uh, if you would like to participate, we'd love to hear from you. You can call in at 543-8830, 543-8830. We will be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. 
We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home. Just call Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. I didn't do a great job of opening the show with a normal intro, so... Um, it's because I'm here. Yeah, I know. You throw me off. I'm distracted. So one more time, uh, I'm Dan Podesto, joined by Michael Points. Mike Points. Sorry, I know you're... Michael's fine. It's on my You're more of a mic. Yeah, you're more mic. of a mic. I know. You yeah. like Mike. Yeah. Um, anyway. My wife, my mother calls me Michael. Okay. I don't want to be in that category. <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, we represent Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Might have heard the jingle. Um, we were is talking. Is there any other mortgage company on the Central Coast? I don't think there is. Oh, we're, there's we're, a few. Yeah, there's actually a lot. There's a lot. But we're the the experts. Yeah, no one has. I mean, we have it in our name. No one else says that. Yeah. And uh, I actually saw a really a, a very interesting report because I like to look at reports and number of you know how we rank in the county. And when you, so I, I got my hands on this report for trust deeds recorded in the county. And when you pulled away the big mega mega banks, the the Wells Fargo's and Chases of the world, we were like we were fourth in the county in <laughs> market share. That's tight. That was That's pretty cool. cool. That was better than I thought. I don't, you know, expected I don't know what to see I really us. thought, You honestly. expected to see us on, like, the first page. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I knew we were good. I just didn't know. Does that we mean were... we go to the playoffs? Are we going to? 
Yeah, we should, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've got Chuck on the line calling from San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. Morning, Chuck. I have a question. I don't know if this is the right uh, place to ask this question, but I'll ask it anyway. If you sell your house, how many days do you have to reinvest in another house uh, to uh, negate paying ca- uh, capital gains taxes on it? Great question. I always like to start tax questions by saying you should probably seek a tax professional's advice, but I will do my best to answer that question. I believe you have. So you're talking about a 1031 exchange? No, no, not a uh, income property. Uh, oh, that's res- what I was uh, just going to ask. Yeah, the residence, primary, your home, primary. Yes, primary. Excuse me. Okay. Primary uh, residence. Are you married, Chuck? No. Okay. Um, Hypothetically, let's say you you make two hundred thousand dollars after all your costs and expenses on this home. Yes. Um. You have if you've lived in the home two out of the last five years consecutively. So, in the last five years, it maybe the first two years you lived in the home, boom boom, and then you rented it out. Or in the last two years, you moved back into it, boom boom, you lived in it, and now you're selling it. You have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar tax exemption on your primary residence. And if you're married, you have a half a million dollar tax exemption on your primary residence. So you can take that money down. And if I were you, I would bet on the UCLA Bruins, at least a portion of it, to win the national championship this year. (laughs) But how how many days do I have to buy another house? You can go shopping as long as you want, is what I'm saying. I mean, chime in here, Dan. I'm I'm in agreement with you, but are you asking if you exceed that? That two hundred and fifty or five hundred thousand dollars threshold. How long do you have before oh, you might pay taxes on that additional portion? Uh, no, just uh, if I sell the house today. Yeah, I thought there was a, a time limit that I had to reinvest in my primary uh, residence. No, to avoid any kind of tax issue, it would it, you would only have some kind of time limit if you were. In excess. In excess of that either 250 for a single person or, or 500000 for a married couple. If you're under that, then you would never, there, would, there wouldn't be a tax obligation. Yeah, and you again, you hold. should confirm all this information with a tax professional. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. But I'm pretty, I feel pretty confident in that. Well, the reason we say that, Chuck, is it just depends on how you hold title. You know, there's all different types of little things that you may be doing in the process of selling the house. Like, you know, you might be talking with your accountant about how you can expense certain things before you sell it, um, upkeep, remodel, okay. renovation. So it's important to do that. But the, the average Joe that just sells their house, that's that's the rule. And you can, you know, you could take till 2017. You could hold and maybe the market goes down in two, three years by then. Or you could just go out and we could look at a house together next week. You know, it's up to you. Okay, cool. Gentlemen, I thank you. Sure. Thanks for the call, Chuck. Appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, I think the other just to, I, I it sounds like Chuck already knows this, but um, you know, just for anyone else, when you're looking at how much money you've made on selling your home, you have to take into account not just the cash you receive, because sometimes people, um, you know, sell a free and clear home that's worth you know six hundred thousand dollars, and they wind up with six hundred grand in their pocket. That doesn't mean they're three hundred and fifty thousand dollars over that two fifty threshold that you're talking about, right? Because it takes into account what did you buy the home for, and what additional improvements did you make to the home while you owned it. That makes up your basis, yeah. And then f- from there, you know, what do you sold it for? The difference between what you sold it for and your basis is 
where we table. start talking about that threshold of 250 or 500. Excellent point. And my guy in the sky, our good friend, coworker, Jason Van Dyke, yeah. texts me, said, Mike, two years cumulatively, not consecutively. Okay, so just good two clarification. total, you have to reside in the residence for 24 months out of 60. Yeah. Um, and that's Jason Van Dyke from Jason our office, Dyke, whose wife happens to be a CPA. So that's some good that's good knowledge good advice i'm sure that uh he sought her out for that too one little thing i want to slide in here just before we get off this topic is if you sign a primary residence um note or an owner occupied note it will say on the note you know explicitly that you do need to occupy that home for the first 12 months so when we say cumulatively you know don't go out and buy a great house and within four to five months, just say, hey, I'm going to rent this. Make sure you read your note. It's also something you want to talk about with your attorney, but you could also ask any note questions you could call in and talk to us about. We're very familiar with that. So just be careful when you are um, you know, thinking of, wow, I could rent this house out. Just be careful what your legal ramifications would be in the first year. Um, and even after that, really, if it's a primary residence, you should reside in that residence. Life happens and things change. We definitely don't want you to buy the house across the street and then rent the one that you were living in. But I just thought I'd add that. Yeah. Not to go off on too much That's of a good. tangent. No, it's good. I, I like phone calls like this because it sparks other ideas. So in that uh, in that effort, just to, I, I think it's related to this topic. If you're selling an investment property, which is where I thought we were going in the first place with the call. Me too. Um, Me too yeah. it, for a 1031 exchange, you do, ha- I, I'm, I feel good about the time requirements there. You have 90 days. Um, to identify your next investment to defer a tax burden. And then you have, uh, I believe it's 180 days to close on that transaction. You can also, in that 1031 exchange um, scenario, you can acquire the property before your um, current property has sold, and then you can allocate those funds towards the property that you already That's right. purchased. So you could do That's like right. a deferred tax exchange, or I don't even know if that's the right term for it, but yeah. there's a, you get a couple little... of different ways to approach that right. type of, you know, if it's an investment property, that's a great point, sale and purchase. That's a great point. One of the uh, first house I lived in, in slow, the owner of the property lived way out of state and he was trying to do that. All of a sudden out of nowhere, he just listed his house because he found out from his tax advisor that he had to um, sell that house in a certain amount of time to mm-hmm. use them funds to offset a taxable gain from a 1031 exchange. So there's so many things. Dan and I are not CPAs. Yep. There's so many things that get into that topic, but um, we yeah. do handle we those calls when people that. are planning to purchase an investment or you know, get out of an investment property that's in escrow. They'll yeah. call us and say, hey, I'm going to make $150,000. I'd like this house in Morro Bay. It's and a great if, way for us to start the call. If you're, yeah, if you if you're needing that advice, you can definitely call us. If you get above our uh, knowledge level or pay grade, then we can refer you to the proper professional who can help yeah. advise you the rest of the way. Because yeah, there are there are 1031 exchange experts. There are also tax people, obviously, who can help. You uh, were kind of called to the carpet, maybe on your numbers there. There's like 45 days um, to to re. Port, I guess, and then identify days to close. Yeah, identify. And Is then, it ninety days to close? Uh, they said one hundred and eighty. Oh, this guy so said one hundred and eighty right. days to close, but but forty five to identify. That's what he said. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I had lunch yesterday with the builder developer in Morro Bay, and he saw he thought the same thing, and um, 
we should we should look that up because I do feel like you know so many things happen when you get these funds where you find the right property, maybe you don't get to acquire it for the right price and you start getting nervous because you got to get the money into something yeah. else. 45. And so 45 days. So, so if to we can identify, if we confirm that Dan. Yeah. I f yep. That looks right. Magnificent. 45 day identification period. And then it's 180 days. Oh, well, I got one out too, right? Yeah. That's 50%. Like I said, there's 1031 experts out there. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll have to, so we've done two things. Thank you, Chuck. We figured that out, um, you know, to a T and now I can call my builder developer back. There you go. Let him know that, that he's right and I'm right. Moving along, maybe. Cool. Productive show so far. Um, so we started out, we, we talked just ever so quickly about the, um, the job report this week. Right. You alluded to the lowest that that the reading for unemployment was the lowest since April of 2008. 2008. 5.1%. Yeah. That's right smack dab in the middle of the Fed's target range that they've identified of 5 to 5.2%. Yeah. Um so it's leading some economists to uh really beef up the chatter about whether or not rates are going to be raised here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um but at the same time not all of this report was was exceptional. Yeah. Um, it's great to see the unemployment rate down. Um, however, we also saw that there were about 44 or no, what was it? 41,000 jobs, 41,000 people dropping out of the labor force, which, you know, you have a shrinking labor force that will also bring the unemployment rate down. Yeah. Um, so that definitely, that was a bit of a black eye there. Also for the first time in many, many months is, that I can remember, we added less than 200,000 jobs. Yeah. It was 173,000 jobs. I saw a lot of reports both in print and on television media that, oh, August for the last several years has been revised higher. People so go on vacation. We're just figuring that this August number will be revised higher in the next month or two. Every every month gets revised. <laughs> they, they all like get the revised. It's like the first draft. And then the second draft. But whether they get revised higher or not is a is another question. That's true. Um, but on average, two hundred k every month, two hundred thousand every month, on average. You know, if you look back towards the beginning of the year and you divide it all by eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the last three months, the average is two twenty one. So even with this down month, it was still you know the recent average is good. I think go over the last eighteen to twenty four months, and we're right around a two hundred thousand average too. Yeah. So jobs have been good. This was just kind of a down month, and it was well below expectations, um, well below the previous month. Yeah. So we'll see if the future um, revision upward comes to fruition or not. Yeah. Um, what was, else do we see? Could I just say this? What yeah. I thought was interesting is that um, when you break down the pie chart of the jobs, where the jobs were created, it was in luxurious sector, sectors. Like people are like, for example, restaurants, retail stores, all those like fluff expenses that you have on your personal budget, things you probably shouldn't spend a lot of money on every month, but you do when you have more. So it told me people had more money. I mean, like, and that's just me. I, I'm, you know. I'm just one guy, but my inference from reading that is, huh, those companies and that those sectors are have enough money or enough demand that they're hiring more people. Or is it just because it's August and now people are coming back to school and they're working, you know, I don't know, but what what 
concurrently happened is that in the manufacturing and the energy markets, lots of jobs were cut due to oil prices. And that's going to be another heavy consideration for the Fed to think about. Now, sure, everyone's loving the pumps right now on Labor Day weekend with lower gas prices, but those are also cutting like sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year jobs right out of the system. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on for for probably eighty plus percent of Americans, it's it's a great thing to see prices at the pump where they are right now. And yeah. and a lot of people I I'm hearing talk of two dollar gasoline. I know that's not gonna happen around here, but I there are some um mythical states where I hear that gas is actually under three bucks. Yeah. Um but yeah, they're talking about maybe under so the $2. Actual, so the, the two Red Bulls for $3 inside are more than a gallon of gas. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. I actually wild. paid three twenty nine for it last night. Did you? That's pretty good. Where was that? Wow. Not at Costco? <clears throat> not at Costco. Not at, not at Arco either. Okay. It's yeah. actually at a little gas station down the street from my house, Gills and Royal Grande. Yeah. Mm. And then there's Flyers and Grover that's three twenty nine a gallon. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we might see sub three dollar gas around here. Other parts of the country are going to see sub two dollar gas. Right. Um, so that's great for a lot of a lot of people right. who just are going to see a little bit less of a dent in their pocket when they go to fill up. Yeah. Um, but but like you said, there's a lot of people who depend on on energy for for employment, right. and those are the folks that are hurting right, right now. You know, we have a lot of those folks in the the valley not far away from us, um, out in like the right. the Bakersfield, Bakersfield. area. Yeah. A lot of yeah. lot of energy and oil related jobs there, and and those those folks who are dependent on that are, are really a lot of those people time. have second homes in Cayucos. 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 Say something. Isn't again. it funny? Kingria. <laughs> it's just the you. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I think that they're gonna raise rates. I think that we're gonna see a tick upwards. I think, and here's why. And I'm I'm just gonna bank this quick. We have to prepare ourselves as a nation if something does bad ha- if something does happen bad in the next 12 months that we can actually lower rates again to offset what's happening bad. We're at the bottom. If something bad happens, we have no recourse to offset. I feel like it's just time to build in a little bit of a buffer against what could potentially happen. I hear what if you're saying. If the bears are coming, you know, winter's coming, all these things that kind of slow and well, if you're in retail, winter's the best time of year for you, but all these things like, you know, the next six months, the economy is not going to do exceptionally well if, um, you know, we're up and down in the stock market. We've got employment at the, the best we could possibly do. If if we have rates on our mind, what's going to happen? We all, that's all we talk about this year is rates. Is it going to happen or not? I think that Yellen's just ready to do it and and let's just reset and see what happens from there. That's just me talking from my gut. Yeah, I, uh, I'd write. I'd actually. It would be not good for business, but I'd like to just see what happens after they say. And now the rates are up a bit. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it's fifty fifty. I think it could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Maybe we should get a census. Call in and tell us what you think. <laughs> Call into the show and tell us if you think rates are going to go up and why. It might be a good conversation. I think the biggest argument I've heard against it that it, that it won't happen is simply the the world or you know the other large economies of the world and and how it would impact them. Yeah. Really if it, if we were only basing this policy decision on what's going on domestically, I think they'd be raising them no question. Yeah. 
But when you look at other factors, that's a very good point. That that's the only reason right now to um, shy away from it. Because we would draw international money right to our our bond, right? I mean, we would our bond yield is so attractive right now when you put it up against Germany, and you know the Asian markets. You know, the, anyone that it's it's just very very troubling to me to see how one little tweak like a China currency a correction can start a wildfire in the markets you know yeah it's just it's such a small small world economy anymore and and our decisions have to take into account the rest of the world economies before yeah. you know there and there's politics involved and things like that you know can you imagine allies with it's so complicated the intellect of the people who sit on the federal reserve I mean, just the, the 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 math problems that they're solving, you know. Those word, remember those word problems? One train leaves Chicago, <laughs> <Yeah>. going. <laughs> the other one leaves Texas. How do they get to Alabama at the same time? Yeah, they're managing like three hundred different trains. Yeah. yeah, that's tough. Right. Um, it will be very interesting. We still got two more weeks before the Fed meets and and makes a decision to move or not to move. So that'll be. That'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of fodder between now and then. Um, I I think there's probably going to be one more round of housing reports. But like I said, I, I really don't think housing has been a big factor in Fed decision making here in the last several months. Right. I, employment's the big one. Um, and so this this report, you know, just to just to sum it all up, this report really, I think, is it the candle lit? It was on very top of the cake? inconclusive. It was ah. very inconclusive. It okay. was just a little bit of of good, a little bit of not so good, and and it really offered no clarity whatsoever. I'm blanking on the gentleman's name that always covers the Fed report, like right after the Fed makes their announcement on the financial news. He's the Steve bald guy. Yeah, he's I like, know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's just like saying the same thing the last two months. Like, come on, like give me something. Everything's like right down the middle. Yeah. And so um, I just want to hone this back really quick to our listeners and our borrowers. Um, I was talking about this earlier this week with, again, with Jason Van Dyke. He should be on the show today. I'm mentioning him so much. Um, if you're an adjustable rate mortgage, you know, and you are coming up on a year next year where you're going to, you're going to possibly adjust and you're in a three and a quarter or three and a half adjustable rate mortgage arm as they're commonly known. Now's a really good time to look at a refi, you know, with what's happened. And here's why you can get a 30 year fixed right now. If you have 30% equity in your home and a decent credit score, let's say 700 or above, you can get a 30 year fixed right now for four, four and an eighth. Yesterday I saw 3.875. I am no not, points. I, I did not want to say that, but I fully agree with you. I have a meeting lined up Tuesday because I think Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be great times to lock rates with what's happened just before this holiday weekend. I, I don't see why you wouldn't take a look at this. If you have an adjustable rate mortgage, whether it's on your investment property or your single family home or you live in, give us a call. Let's just, let's just put them side by side. Yeah, I think it's really important for fo folks who've been in arms have been in a good spot because their rates have adjusted to a lot of them. The, a typical structure for an adjustable rate loan is is your margin plus the one-year LIBOR index. 
Mm-hmm. And the margin on an arm is typically two and a quarter or mm-hmm. two and three quarter, That's you know, right. between two and a quarter and two and three quarters. And that one year LIBOR has been like, 0.85, yeah, 0.77. it's been less than one for a really long time. Right. So their adjusted rate is somewhere around three, no higher than three and a half percent. It's been incredible for them. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these folks with arms, they got a, a you know, a, a five or six or 7% loan years and years ago, and they've just watched they, they've ad- watched it adjust downward That's right. over the last several years. That's so right. it's great. And they've really enjoyed it. And even now people are probably getting their, um, you know, annual notifications of what their rate's going to be the next 12 months. And it's still looking great. Yeah. But you've got to look beyond the next 12 months. You've got to look beyond the next 24 months and think about your plan. How long are you going to remain in your home? How long do you have left on your loan? Um, and remember that your ceiling on your ARM loan is typically your um, start rate plus 5%. That's, That's right. the most common structure. Sometimes right. it's your start rate plus 6 So if you got a loan at 6%, you've ridden it all the way down to around 3 and are loving it. Remember, it could go as high as 11 or 12% um, as... This economy continues to recover as rates start to rise and and your loan adjusts every year. So think about it long term and think about your plan and decide, does it make sense to get into a roughly 4% 30-year fixed mm-hmm. or, or you know, maybe you only have 20 years left on your loan mm-hmm. or 15 years left on your loan. Let's look at a 20 or 15-year loan that's going to be somewhere in the threes. You know, mm-hmm. 15 years, like three and a quarter. I don't even know what it was. Here's Somewhere the, in that range. Totally. But get into that. And now you're actually keeping your rate where it is today on an adjusted basis, but now you're fixing it and never having to deal with it again. Yes. Yes. And and here's a common objection I get. I'm out talking with borrowers all week long about this conversation. Investors or just individuals who have their own home, they say, yeah, but it's going to cost me three or $4,000 in closing costs. And my response to that is, Yes, it will. You have to pay escrow. There are fees included with getting a loan. People touch your file. They need to get paid. That's reasonable. But people don't know that you can literally just borrow that money from the equity in your home. You don't have to come out of pocket today for cash. Let's take an analysis of, of what that really costs you. For, if you borrow $4,000 more, Dan, over the course of 30 years, I mean, is it even worth punching that into the calculator, what it's going to cost you? you know, there's a couple different schools of thought. Some people think, you know, I'm going to... interest for too long. Yeah, I'm going to take four grand and finance it over, you know, however long the, the, the term of the loan is, and that's not a smart financial decision. And I can get on board with that logic. I get it. What if you sell the house? But and- at the same time, there's another school of logic that says, well, if you're paying, you know, $2,000 a month today, but you get a... A refi, and even with financing in your closing costs, your payment goes down to uh, eighteen hundred a month, and I'm saving two hundred bucks a month. And my term, you know, say I have fifteen years left on my loan, and I'm getting into a a fifteen year loan. I haven't I haven't lengthened out my term anymore. Yeah. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, I look at my two thousand dollars a month with fifteen years remaining, or eighteen hundred dollars a month with fifteen years remaining. That seems like a no-brainer to me. Yep. I'll gladly finance my fees for the 15 years because yep. I'm going to save 200 bucks a month for 15 years. Especially with these huge swings, you can take advantage of going down a quarter point in interest. You know, you can be quoted one week. Two weeks ago, you could have been quoted three and three-eighths, 3.375 on a 15-year. 
And right now, if we catch the market right, you could get it for three and an eighth, no cost. So you're saving, you're already saving that money monthly that you would have been paying for interest. It's not a big deal. So I, there's, there's I just different. think it's a prudent conversation yeah. right now. This is the conversation. This is exactly what we would be discussing if if you were in front of us and, and this was your real scenario. We would be having this exact conversation. Yeah. It's not something that Let's we would make out. the decision for you. We wouldn't steer you one way and just ignore even talking about the other option. We would we would lay it all out so that you can decide and we would just bounce ideas off and yep. talk about the plan. We're your partner, not a processor. So, yeah, it's a... It's something that I would I would challenge anyone in an adjustable loan to to strongly consider now because I, I whether it's September or December rates are are about to embark on an upward path and and now is the time to seriously consider um, getting out getting off of the roller coaster so to speak. Yep. So it feels um, good when you get off. You know, it's fun when you're on it when you get off safely and it's done. You could be you could be on to thinking about other things. Sure. Let this fixed rate do its thing. Yeah. Um, we've uh, we've gotten into this awkward spot where there's seven minutes left. So uh, should I say Cayucos again? It's always good for a laugh. Um, not quite enough time to take a break, but uh, so I, th I think we should just carry on with the news. Um, just to finish off this employment uh, data that came out this week, we saw weekly claims for unemployment benefits rise modestly to 282,000 um still a great number below 300,000 still signs that you know the the jobs market is on the right path mm -hmm. and and things feel like they're just continuing to improve i i think yeah. we could probably all agree there's still more room for improvement mm -hmm. um we're getting back to all the most if not all the people that want to work and are and are qualified to work have jobs now are they f employed to their fullest extent no you know we're still waiting right. for that to start to take effect but is i is the architect a bartender <laughs> right yeah i have a question is there any way to calculate or know how many people went out of the non farm labor force into self employed like does that come up on that? It wouldn't come up on the job report. I mean, I know a lot of people that just said, you know what, this last turn in the economy really bugged me the way things got handled with the company I worked with, the way I got laid off. I'm doing it on my own now. I'm a consultant. Is there a way to capture? There isn't. Huh? No, no. I'm trying to think. I mean, because these figures are literally people that are on payroll. They got a job in our economy. You know, and it takes it, it it would take the people that are self-employed out of the population, I would imagine. Well, it depends on how quickly the self-employed are reporting wages or Schedule C. See, yeah, if they end up being Schedule C, then they're not necessarily reporting a wage. They're not reporting earnings until tax time. So, yeah, yeah I, I think there could be a delay. I think, you know, after after you have a tax reporting, you can infer some of that stuff but it's on a monthly basis it's the irs would have to actually give the data to like adp or whoever does the yeah. job report. Well, no, it's not the end of the show. I, I just feel a lot of people have said you know what i'm going to take matters into my own hand i'm going to you know build these widgets now i can make 40 grand a year to start those are good those are decent jobs there's risk there but that's still people going out and making money if there's more people doing that i think the economy's 
better than what we're showing on paper. Yeah, I agree. It, and it's just, cool it's just one that. of those things that's hard to measure because of the way income and, and these, most of this is taken from, excuse me, from payroll data and yeah. the folks who, who move to self-employed and aren't taking a wage that's reportable on a monthly basis. Um, they're just, you know, they have an entity that's making money and they, yeah. you know, report it once a year. It's hard to measure those. You, you can't measure them on a monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know that there's a way to do that. Yeah. So curveball. Yeah. Sorry to that. At yeah. yeah. But it's interesting to think about. Um, there was one other thing I was going to talk about with regards to news, but I'm blanking on it now. Well, let me just preview the next hour. Um, probably wondering what we're going to talk about. We, I, and I'm looking at you to make sure we're on the same page because we don't really have a big powwow before today's show. Um, but we were going to talk about some construction loan programs that's right because there are a lot of different options when it comes to building a house and what we have seen both just through anecdotally from other industry professionals and from the calls that we receive from um from just folks in the community who are interested in buying property and owning real estate is that the the desire to buy land and construct a home is really seems to be picking up yeah. uh, the last several months it really feels like the activity with respect to building new construction, just infill construction, mm -hmm. has really picked up. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're getting as many as five or ten calls a week on that subject alone. So I absolutely concur. And I see it from, and I'll elaborate on this in the next hour, I see it from the builder's level. I'm, uh, I'm our representative for Central Coast Lending at the um, Home Building Association here on the Central Coast. And a lot of them have projects galore. Not entitlements that they're working on, projects. These houses are being built as we speak. And that's really cool because I feel like it's possibly, it, well, we'll get into it more, but I, I do feel like not only is it a desire here in the Central Coast because we have such a beautiful landscape, but I think the next generation coming up likes the idea of customizing where they live. Not just saying that 60s house is cool. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, gosh, <laughs> I see new homes and I don't live in a new home. I live in a home that was built in the seventies and I, um, man, I just find myself, it's so easy to fall into that house envy yeah. kind of stage. Like, man, I wish I could put this feature of my home wherever I wanted. Yeah. I wish I could have had some say in the design. Right. Um, right. that's, that's a pretty cool spot to be in when those, you can, those walls <laughs> that just open up yeah. right into the backyard. That's like the coolest thing. That's, that's pretty cool when you can have the home exactly how you want it. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's hard to find when you're so looking we're gonna at talk about that. Homes. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to finance the, the, the lot and construction of a new build in this county. And we're going to share that with you the next hour. We are being forced out. It's the Stick top around. of the hour. And uh, we have another hour to go on Mortgage Matters. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're back. We just like to remind our listeners every now and then that we're live, and these know, things can happen. Things yeah. happen. That's right. Yeah, sorry about that. But we just roll with it. 
because we're professionals. That's right. Stay classic, Sam. <laughs> All right. Um, it is the 10 o'clock hour. We've got an hour to, with you here on Mortgage Matters. Really excited to... Um, to get into this conversation here, because this is something that just by the number of calls that we have been receiving in the office, we know that everyone's really interested in how they can finance um, construction of a new of a new home in San Luis Obispo County. And we've got a number of ways that you can do that. Um, that is correct. So should we just dive on in i think we should i think we should delineate between the one-time close and the two-time close or the the new construction program we have i think it's also important for people to understand that um a lot of the people that call in a heaping majority of heaping majority of them own the land they usually say you know what my family's passed this land onto me my dad gave me this land i bought this land with my wife you in these programs, one of the beautiful things is that you do not need to own the land before we do a construction loan. That's correct. Right off the bat, I think that's important because the land is the <clears throat> canvas. Mm -hmm. You know, six acres, one acre, half an acre. It, it's really a matter of of buying buying land in this county and building a home to your liking or to that you can afford is very possible right now. And, um, you know, for those of you that are builders and, um, investors, the spec building on a case by case basis is back in play. So you can actually build a custom home and list it with your realtor partner, or, or if you are a realtor, list it yourself. It's a beautiful opportunity. I spoke to a realtor this week from uh, century 21 here in San Luis Obispo that is going to build a home in San Luis Obispo. He's going to live in it, but he could easily turn around and sell the thing make a lot of money mm -hmm. and make someone really happy that will have a brand new home in San Luis Obispo. Anyways, I get off on a tangent. The, the main thing to know is that you do not need to know, own the land. So perk your ears up if you're thinking, well, I can't build. I don't own any land. Before we dive in, we've got a caller waiting on the line. We've got Matt in San Luis Obispo. Morning, Matt. Morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I appreciate your uh, Saturday morning uh, news and items and discussion. I had a question for you. Sure. I know that some time ago, um, I remember reading that the people who come here with, uh, with no status, basically illegals, they were able to uh, borrow money from, uh, for example, I remember Bank of America, even though they were here illegally, and get mortgage money. Is that still the case? I, you know, there are... Most loan programs require some, all loan programs, let me correct that, require some sort of identity verification. Yep, that's um, right. There is, for, for the majority of borrowers, we're going to verify who you are by both, you know, looking at a photo ID, so you, usually your driver's license or passport, and then we also want to see um, some sort of verification of your residency status. So we're going to look at... Primarily, what we're doing is a social security number yep. verification. And so we have everyone sign a form SSA 89, and that is the form that we take to the social security office and verify that your social security number belongs to you. Um, now, there are, in the past, there have been programs where we would take, uh, you know, the different other forms of residency, you know, we have the non-permanent resident alien. We've got the ITIN, um, 
which is like a taxpayer identification, individual taxpayer identification number, I think it is. Um, So there were, you know, some people were allowed to be here for temporary. Some were allowed to be on a more permanent basis. And so they would receive different um, statuses, you know, you hear the green card, different things like that. And, and we could accept those in the past. Now those programs are much more limited. However, they are still around. I would say that, um, the intention of any loan program is to never give someone a loan. If they are here illegally, you have to be of some, some legal residency status in order to qualify for a mortgage. And what's really changed in the last 10 years or so is the thoroughness with which the identity and residency is verified. And the technology. Yeah. Too. It's improved. There's a number of different programs that, um, they're, they're fraud detection tools yeah. that are employed in our industry now yeah. that check all, you know, there's so much data out there stored in databases that is there. And it was never really, these databases weren't well utilized in the early two thousands to verify. I just don't know if it was a lack of caring or a lack of, of thought that people would deceive to get large loans. But now obviously we've, the problem's been exposed and the technology and the information that's out there is fully being utilized and and i think it's i have a hard time seeing the scenario where someone who's here illegally can get a loan um i i just i there with all the checks and balances i don't see it happening now yeah well under the ab60 uh which uh, our assemblyman Shajian voted for to get driver's licenses to illegals um that if a person's for example stopped by a cop um he cannot use any. He cannot use the fact that this is a the AB60 license. He can't use that for any other information, even though. Uh, so that can't be used as a as a check against uh, legal or illegal residency. So, even though you might say that we have we have these identification programs, well, one of them might be flawed because under AB60. Uh, they get a, get a driver's license, and, and the fact that uh, they have one, and they're here illegally, can't you can't even ask them if they're here illegally. They just have that. Well, the driver's license is is what's used to prove identity, right. but it's not Photo what's ID. used to prove prove residence, legal residency, within the state or country. So, I I think that would be a loophole for. I mean, I. I I hear what you're saying. I, I hear that there are, you know, ways to obtain documents that are that are legal, but not necessarily. I, I I still think that it doesn't get them out of the burden of proving legal residency status by having that ID. Would you yeah, Would you I, agree? Yeah, my, most of my my friends and I, I uh, people resent the fact that people come other people come here illegally. And yet they are, uh, they get special status, like they don't have to prove. And I refer to the B of A uh, lending money to people who are here illegal. I remember reading the article about that a few years ago. And that's resentful because uh, the people play, pay, everybody here, uh, legal residents, pay, play by the rules, and uh, they pay their taxes, uh, and they're known who they are. And uh, then we have people who come here illegally, and they get the benefits, and they get special benefits. Uh, they don't have to qualify with the same standards as others do. But they get in-state tuition, even though you know, American legal uh, citizens from other states who come here, they don't get in-state tuition. So that's resentful. People don't like that. I, I 
understand that, and I, I understand this is a very topical conversation right now, too. Um, so, you know, I, I think the other thing beyond just proving identity and residency, folks don't get a pass on proving income either. You have to, you have to show income with tax returns credit and report and credit reports. Yeah. You have to have all of these different file. documents, you know, even if you're coming from a different country, you, we still want to see that foreign credit report. We want to see those foreign tax returns in the event that you can prove identity and residency in a legal manner. Um, we, you still have to prove that you have an ability to repay the loan through earning an income. Yep. Um, and, and so we're going to, you know, it, there, and I'm, I believe that you can, we will, we have a couple of portfolio programs where you can um, provide a foreign tax return, but we still need to see that. So there, there's a, there's a big burden of proof beyond just IDs. Um, well, that's so, good. So I'm, I think, I'm happy to hear that. I yeah, think that's there, good. there's a lot of. I think, you know, between all of the different verifications, you know, whether it's identity or income or, or any of those things, it, it would be someone would have to have a well orchestrated plan to be able to get a loan today with uh, without having legal status here. And, yes. Matt, and Matt, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with your opinion. I, I think it's good what how you elaborate on your frustration. But also you got to think of someone who's in the transition phase, who's here, who's trying to become a U.S. citizen who's making bona fide money and in the process of doing that, they, if they want to become an American, you know, one of the first things as, as an American that they should be able to do is buy a home. You know, it's just a matter well, of timing. Yeah, if they're here permanently and have a green card and they have legal residency as a, as, a, as an expecting you know, form of a future U.S. citizen, I understand that because uh, people who are here with a green card, they're subject to a uh, uh, draft, for example, or uh, and. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even though we don't have draft right now, um, as an example of that, I uh, I served in the in the United States Army before I was even a citizen. But and so that I understand giving loans to people like that because they've established uh, residency. They have uh, everything they're doing is, has been legal. So we're on the same page on that. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate the call, Matt. I think it's a it, like I said, it's a very timely conversation. Um, given the the things we're hearing in the news with the different candidates talking about residency status and stuff, yeah. so I th it's a it's Pretty. a good point and a timely point. We appreciate the call, Matt. I appreciate yours. Thank you. Bye. 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 Um, the other thing that I'll offer up with uh, these loans um, to non-residents, there's often a, a much higher um, down payment requirement. You know that these folks who are not um, American citizens already, earning American income with American credit. Um, they don't get to qualify for five uh, percent down. Yeah, five percent or three percent or or zero percent down loans that yeah. are available to others. Um, I think the common down payment requirement is like forty or fifty percent when you're in that type of uh, a situation. You really have to come in with some major skin in the game mm. um, to qualify for the foreign national loans or you know the different types of loans for mm. for non-residents so which makes sense right so you're an investor you want to have yeah it's definitely tougher to to qualify for that and and just because of the nature of i mean it underwriters who are used to underwriting you know an Standard, american typical, credit report yeah. with american tax returns they're not used to seeing foreign credit and foreign tax returns so these those documents are highly scrutinized because they don't see them often yeah so they get a lot of they get 
second and third and fourth sets of eyes on them yeah, yeah. Um, before those loans are approved. Definitely. So I, I think the the burden there to qualify is much, I would argue, much greater than than the um, average American citizen going out and getting a loan. So bring us back. Where were we, Dan? Where so the heck we was were, I? We were going to spend some time here this second hour talking about construction financing. And I don't know that a lot of people realize that there are a lot of different types of construction loans available. Um, the there are the Fannie Mae offers a construction loan program. Mm-hmm. FHA offers a construction loan program. Mm-hmm. VA, VA offers a construction loan so program. Cool. And what's cool about all these programs is they will do the low down, the same low down or, or high loan to value um, financing that you can get when you're going out and qualifying for an existing home. That's right. Um, you know, so so with conventional financing, you can get a uh, you can go purchase a home with five percent down. That's pretty cool. That that's a great for a first time home buyer trying to go out and buy a, a home, get in, get their their toe in the door of, of a housing market, mm-hmm. and start to build equity and move up that housing ladder. Uh, but the same opportunity is available for someone looking to build a home. They can build a home with five percent into the project, mm-hmm. um, and that is pretty awesome because not only can you get in there with not you know you're not just bleeding your bank account dry to get to a home or maybe you are i mean shoot sometimes coming up with five percent does take you down but um it gives you the opportunity to get that brand new home with all the amenities and features that you want where you want them yeah you know it's such a cool opportunity with va you can get a hundred percent financing on mortgage insurance (laughs) no mortgage insurance on a brand new construction it's um it is just amazing the opportunities and what's really cool about these um, I'm going to call them agency construction loan programs is that they are a one-time close construction loan. That's right. So that is is an important thing for you to remember. One-time close is really great because it's one qualification process, one set of, of loan fees, as opposed to um, another option that we will also talk about, which is a... a two or three time close process, you know, yep. for someone looking to build spec, that's what you're looking at yeah. or someone looking to build for, I don't know, maybe they're looking to build in an investment property. Yeah. Um, second home, something like that. Second home, second homes, you know, you, those are tougher to do and those require a different type of financing where you have to do one loan to acquire the lot, that's one right. loan to build, one loan to take all of that temporary financing out into permanent financing. Yeah. Um, and you the fees add up and and the rates aren't as good. So these one-time close programs are so amazing. Yeah, and let me add something to that. One of the things that makes them amazing, there's, uh, I think, two major things. And you wouldn't think of this if you've never built your own home. When you acquire land and you build a home, even if you build a home at $200 a square foot, houses out in today's market are selling for $395, $420, $430 a square foot. And so what happens is when you're done building this home, we have, not only is it required, but you would want to have it done, is an appraiser will come to the property and do a final appraisal giving you the total loan, excuse me, giving you the total value of your home, you're naturally going to have 30, 
40% equity on this property, unless you build a crazy house with all custom design or high-end materials, just because the cost of the land and the cost of the materials to build are typically cheaper than just going out and buying an existing home. So Dan, what happens is right in the beginning, you sit down and we'll go over your construction budget, your plan design, and the appraiser will come out and meet with a third-party HUD certified inspector. And all of you guys will sit around a table and basically discuss, here's what the home would be worth when you're done. And because of that, we can give you a loan for this property, the whole budget, and acquire the land right now. And when you're done, you're going to have 65% loan to value where you own 35% of this property already. So we say 5% down, we say programs that Fannie Mae offers, but lots of times in a one-time closed transaction, you do have to inject cash. But even if you only put 5 or 10% down, you're going to end up with equity that's built into your property, which is really cool. It is. And the other great feature about these one-time closed loans is that you can get a fixed rate loan. Right now, today, at, at when you close. At the same low interest rates that everyone else is enjoying. That's right. And not in 12 months when the build is done. Yeah. You're locking in your rate at the beginning of the building process that you're going to have for the full 30 years or, or you know, 15 years or however long you, you're looking for a loan term. You're going to lock in that rate up front and that's going to be the rate for the entire term of the loan. Right. That's what's great. Most construction, the other construction loan programs that we're talking about that are multi-close um, deals, you're getting, uh, I mean, the rate is still fixed and it's a good rate. You know, we offer a 5% interest rate when you're, you know, trying to do a spec deal or trying to build an investment property. It varies. Yeah. Well, it's tied to the. It is, but right now it's been. It's it's been yeah. sitting at the bottom. Yeah, it's been Correct. sitting at five percent, but it is a variable rate, so it can. When rates start to rise, we will start to see more volatility in that rate. But then, once you're done with the entire project, you have to take that financing out because it's only in there for the term of the build. That's right. Um, and then once the build is done, then you have to get permanent financing. So who knows where rates will be at the end of your project? But that's, that's right. when you're locking in that that permanent financing. That's right. So what's great about these one-time closed deals is that you're getting today's rates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 12 or 24 months from now, when your project is done, mm -hmm. you've still got today's rate mm -hmm. when rates are likely going to be higher. I agree. And if you know someone that's thinking about this right in the process of developing their land or looking at, you know, sitting down with a contractor, you've got to refer them to us. These, uh, this, this company we've partnered up with recently is fantastic. They not only help us, they have an in-house construction department that will help look at your bid, help be a third party for you, help you understand the draw process, and help you understand how soon you can move into your home. One of the things I want to mention, a lot of people that are building a home, Dan, wouldn't you say they live in a home already? Oftentimes, yeah. Yeah, so you can actually make the interest payments during the process of the build or depending on what your appraisal is going to be, how much value you have in the home, you can tack the payments onto the backside of the loan on these one-time closes. Um, you cannot exceed 70% loan to value with, with your total project. So you have, to, you have to make sure, you know, we would talk about that as your loan officer, what makes sense. Um, another thing you can do is you, you have to have some reserves, some contingency reserves of about 10% of the project. And I'm getting into some of the minutia, the nitty gritty, but... I'm doing this because if you're interested and you hear about this and you're listening, 
this is not for the squeamish. You want to talk about this program with us, call us call us in the office at 543-LOAN and talk to either Dan or myself or any of our loan officers about this product. I would say probably at this time, Dan or myself would be the best people to talk to um, just because a lot of the loan officers haven't really dealt in it yet. But they are definitely aware of the product and getting and wrapping their head around the the concept. Another cool thing about these is that you can even use the construction financing to build a manufactured home. I would agree with that. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, and and manufactured home that term gets thrown around a lot. People think, oh, is that a mobile home? No, no. We're talking about the real deal Hollyfield manufactured <laughs> homes, where these things show up, like basically like ready to go on the back of a semi truck <laughs> yeah. they drop it down onto a permanent foundation and you've got i mean they're pretty the modern modern um, manufactured homes are pretty nice i'm just going to throw this out there for you listeners bluhomes.com so b l like larry u umbrella homes.com california based company they are doing just amazing astonishing work with these manufactured homes check it out there's a video right when you hmm. enter the site Dan, I text you the link already. Yeah, I saw that. And so um, that we work, we can work with them. We can be your your financeor for the project. Um, and in many cases, like we said, we can help you acquire the land as well. So really cool stuff happening there. I think we might have a caller coming in. Yeah, let's go ahead and take that call. Who do we have, Jim? I'll just tell you, Brian and San Luis. All right, okay. Brian. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Hi. Hey, if I uh, want to build a spec home uh-huh. and do this one-time close, um, is, would that is that fully assumable? I mean, could I get a uh, future buyer to kind of step into my shoes and just take over the loan? Great question. This is going to help us delineate the difference between like an average home buyer building their home and a spec home. Yeah. So you cannot use the one-time close options, the conventional, the FHA or the VA one-time close program for spec. They have to be for your primary residence. The only caveat is that the, um, the conventional version of the program will actually allow you to build a second home, but none of them will allow you to build for spec. When you build for spec, you're going to have to do um, the multi close, you're going to have to do the, if you need to purchase the lot with financing, you would have to do lot loan, then construction loan, then permanent financing when it's all done. Or ideally you would sell the home before it's even completed and you would never need to do permanent financing. Now, if you're building your own primary residence with one of these one-time close products, then there may be an opportunity to have it be assumable. Um, the, the conventional one would definitely not be assumable, um, but the VA and the FHA would have that feature available um, because they, that, that's part of FHA and VA is they, they have the assumable feature. Are, are there fees uh, involved with uh, the assumability? Hmm. I don't think there's a fee tied to assumability. Is there, Dan? Well, I mean, pay to FHA or VA or whoever's having to, you know, put the loan into somebody else's name. We don't, because assume assuming a loan is, 
when when you go to assume a loan, you're going to be working with the current servicer of the loan to determine if that new buyer can assume the loan, whether they'll qualify for the assumption. Um, we don't get involved in that, so it's I, I don't know that we have the knowledge to be able to tell you yeah. definitively if there is a fee or not. My guess is that there would be a fee. Um, mm -hmm. for their for the the servicer's evaluation of the new um, buyer's ability to qualify, I, I would think that there would mm -hmm. be, um, but I, I we don't have firsthand experience, so can't say for sure. So if you have the uh, let's say the uh, end user or you know the customer who's going to move into it, um, or have your project kind of pre-sold then you could use this uh, one-time close option to take every, take care of everything all at once. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, and again, I, I have to stress this point, that if you're, if you're qualifying for the one-time close, you have to demonstrate your, um, that you're going to be occupying the property. Through, during the underwriting process, you're going to have to demonstrate that. If you're listing right. the property, I, that's going to... I understand that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The person who's going to wind up occupying it right. eventually, uh, they can come in and do that. So well, on these construction loans, how, are they like on a voucher system? or I mean, What's a voucher system? How right? does that work? It's, well, you issue a voucher to a subcontractor, and then the subcontractor brings the voucher into the bank to get paid and the, the builder actually never touches the money. That's a great question. And what, yep. what happens is the, um, you know, the entire budget is reviewed prior to qualifying for the loan. So they've, they've seen, you know, all of the different, um, costs that, that go into this project and they, you know the bank. The bank does some due diligence and make sure that everything sounds reasonable. They allow up to what's typical is eight draws um, throughout the construction process. Usually, what happens is there's a demand filed by the subcontractor with the general, and the general submits that demand to the bank, mm -hmm. and then the money right. flows back out through so that the, same path. The money is dispersed to the general. That's uh, that's on, typically on how it's done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise you have too many hands in the cookie jar dealing with the bank and it gets really complicated. So usually it's all filtered right. through the one um, leader of the project. And rightfully so, the bank wants to have one accountability partner in the in the transaction that they can communicate with that, where we'd have your certificate of insurance assigned to them and you know, you'd be on the project as our boots on the ground. Exactly. Mm. So what's nice about that, though, Brian, is you, you may not be, maybe you're, you're wrapping your head around this fully, but let me just give you an example of what I've done with a builder out in Morro Bay. Um, he's building a spec home that we've approved through the two-time or multiple close process. He went out and acquired the land with cash. And then when we set up the construction loan, part of the construction loan allowed him to take up to 50% of that cash back out to reinvest in the marketplace anywhere he wants, or he could put it right in it back in his bank account, or he could right. use it towards materials. But we allow for you to acquire property, and then as soon as we start construction, you know, rebalance your portfolio so you don't have just cash sitting in this thing for 12 months. As a spec builder, that can give you the opportunity to acquire property for less than than maybe you everyone else is paying because you can close quickly and then design construction and a project that your your homeowner if you have one in in mind or your client could 
you know, move into as soon as you're done. Well, is there any way rather than acquire the land first and go through one, uh, you know, escrow closing and everything, is there any way you can uh, find the piece of property, get it into in escrow, and then uh, fund the, 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 you know, the construction loan and everything all in one deal? And then, you know, if, you know, I or whoever, the buyer, has to kick in some money into escrow, they kick in their share to escrow, and, and you know, wrap it all up into just one escrow? Yeah, our partner here on the Central Coast is very flexible in that they'll look at each package and determine uh-huh. how... And so what they're going to look at, Brian, I'm going to be very candid with you, have you done this before? If you've done this before, you're ahead of the game. And, uh-huh. and not the construction loan, built a spec home. And, right. and then you can co-mingle, if you will, for lack of better words, um, some of your seller or your, your end user and end occupant money as a down payment to you. But you're going to have to inject some cash into the deal early on because well, they're not just going to buy the land, let you potentially build a home for someone who's shown interest but isn't 100% committed to living on this property. Well, and I think I think the question is more about, you know, if if this property is ready to build, is there a way to avoid doing a lot a lot loan and then a construction loan? Can you buy the lot and do the build all with one one loan so that you're not having to do double fees, you're not having to Correct. Do, Correct. So, okay, my misunderstanding. And so I, I think the answer to that, Brian, is still that it's going to be a case-by-case type of situation. It's going to depend primarily on how quickly that lot how quickly you can get a shovel in the ground on that lot. That's right. You know, there are some properties that are listed and available where plans and, and permits are already approved. All the buyer has to do is, you know, buy it and go down and pay their fees and they're ready to put a shovel in the dirt. That's a situation where, yeah, you you can probably get it all done in one loan. Now, if you're going to have to buy the lot and then start to go through that yeah. Um, you know, process of getting approved plans and permits, depending on the municipality you're dealing with, it can take a long time. You know, it, it can range on how long it's going to take. And that is taken into account on whether it's going to be a one or a two time process. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And scaling yeah. back, you know, if you've got the permits done, soft cost, that's already you injecting cash into the deal before we get financing. Right. I mean, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thanks a lot. All right, Brian, thanks for the call. Great questions. Um, It is 1035. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back uh, to carry on this conversation about construction financing. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. 
get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. back we're just commenting during the break how quickly the show is going by flying by yeah it's probably because it's a three-day weekend maybe you know yeah i don't know why that makes sense i, I just felt like i was just going with it they always go faster you know you think oh three days it's gonna feel like a vacation <laughs> off and the next thing you know it's tuesday morning and you gotta go back to work but don't you love sunday <laughs> when you're like man it's sunday no Wait it's a my minute. saturday yeah there it is <laughs> yeah I like that. This would also be what it would feel like if we didn't have to work on Fridays, Dan. <laughs> you mean Saturdays? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, what? He doesn't want to have to He has to work six days a week every week. Five and a half. <laughs> Five and a half. Okay, where were we? We were, we were still talking right about smack. construction loans, trying to, to highlight some of the differences between the one-time closed construction loan options that are offered through Fannie, FHA, and VA. Mm-hmm. And the two-time or three-time close process that would be offered through a private institution, which I mean, I, and I we offer all of them, but we have different sources of funds Avenues. depending on which one, which direction you're going. Definitely. And we were we were talking just you know what we haven't covered yet about these different programs during the break and. An important thing to remember with all of these agency one-time close programs, you're subject to the loan amount maximums um, that are in place for these agency loans. So your Fannie Mae loan is is capped at a $417,000 loan amount. Your FHA loan, same thing. Um, you can't do the high balance. 
like you could on a normal purchase. And the VA is the same kind of deal. You just you're subject to that four hundred and seventeen thousand um, dollar maximum limit. What's cool about these different programs, though, is that you can do high loan to value financing or another way to put it, low down payment financing yeah. on a new construction. loan. Yeah. So that's what's cool. Um, you get into these two time close deals. And so when would you I, I think that if I'm thinking about building a home um, or advising someone on building a home, I'm always going to look to the agency options first because one-time you're going to get close, yeah. a lower interest rate. Yeah one-time close, which means less fees, less hassle, um, fixed rate for however long, 15, 20, 30 years. Yep. Um, or so adjustable rate mortgages. Or you can do it adjustable. There's a lot of options there, or th- there's a lot of positives for going that route, but you're capped at 417000 Just thinking about building in our county, we were... We were discussing the scenario in which you can build a home for $417,000 in San Luis Obispo. Um, That's hard to do. Usually that would mean you have to own the lot free and clear. Yeah. And then you could probably do it. Yeah. I think if there's any component of financing the lot purchase, just the, the economics of it all might dictate that you are going to go into a jumbo category, which means you're then looking at a a multi-close type of construction loan process. Yeah. And so in that situation, so we're looking at reasons you would not go with the one-time close are you, your loan balance exceeds 417,000. Right. You're building an investment property. You're building a spec home. Um, yep. Gosh, why else? I think those would probably be the main reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be the main reasons. Or you have to acquire the land with the loan. Sure. That's going to eat up half your loan balance right there. I mean, even more, depending on where you get the land. You know, beautiful six-acre properties out in between San Luis and Arroyo Grande are $249,000. That seems cheap. Yeah, but that's $249,000. You take that from four seventeen, yeah. and you get a 723-square-foot oh, house. adds up quick, six acres. Um, So... The the jumbo loan, however, I mean, it, it. What's great is there really is no loan amount cap. Yeah, we can go. I th- I think we put have a couple commas in there. I w- yeah, I want to say it's like two or three million that we know we can go up to, and other higher loan amounts would be considered on a case by case basis. Yeah, three million with twenty percent down, no problem. It, it actually with and that's the other thing with those um with those jumbo construction loans, we're looking at a a maximum loan to loan to cost. We always are in, in construction. We're looking at the cost to build. Um, we're looking at a maximum 75% loan to cost on the project. So you have to have 25% yes into the project. But here again, that's not just, that's not like your finished value. I have 25% equity. We're looking at cost. You have to participate in the cost to the tune of 25%. So the cost is acquisition of land. Yep. Um, if you've owned the land for a while, we will take into account current market value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that land component mm-hmm. plus your actual construction costs. We call them the hard costs, your mm-hmm. materials, your labor, those kinds of things. And then all your all of your soft costs, which are, you know, your the design. Yeah, your design, your fees, your um, interest, yeah. you know, those kinds of things are your soft costs. Yeah. Yeah. 
And what I would add to that, just to recap, so we're looking at, you know, the one-time close is a brilliant thing, but in this county, it's more likely, unless you've got a lot of cash and you're injecting into the deal at the beginning, if it's one-time close, and then you're going to end up in a two-time close scenario, which we paint it to be like this redheaded stepchild, but is really not a bad deal. I it's mean, a great it's a great loan. I think the worst part about it, because I, I think 5% on on a jumbo or an investment property or, you know, whatever the reason you have to go that direction is, I think 5% for that loan is a really good deal. Every builder really I've had lunch with or talked about this seriously, like actually said, wow, that's really good because I'm getting 8% at yeah. ABC Bank here in town. I think town. the toughest part of it for someone who's eventually going to occupy the property um, for a builder, it's not that big of a deal because they're going to end up selling mm -hmm. the home, mm -hmm. you know, in that spec situation, they're going to sell the home. They never have to worry about the permanent financing. I wouldn't say never. They most, they shouldn't have to worry about that permanent financing when an owner or, you know, when, the, when the, the occupant is the builder and they're have they're going to end up needing permanent financing. The thing, the, the biggest drawback to the multi-close process is that you just, you, you don't get your rate locked in until you're doing that permanent loan. Yeah. And that's we, that's the biggest down. We can lock the it. rate in with some of our investors six months ahead of time. It's a cost. You If you are just not, if you're either A, intelligent enough to know where the market's going, or B, you know, popping Pepto-Bismol capsules because you've got an ulcer, we can lock the loan in way ahead of time. But essentially, you're just floating the market, building this house, and whatever the market's at when we're done, that's what you're going to get. And yeah, and as great as it is to lock in the rate six months ahead, you still, in this county, the time to get through the process and 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 actually be, be building your home and get finished with it, I, I think, I mean, it varies by city, but you know, I think a year is pretty reasonable. So there is going to be some period of yeah. time in which you're... It's a year. You're... You're waiting. Be and honest, people. And some we got cities El are longer than that. What if El Nino hits in February and you're mid-build? Yeah. What are you going to slow do things for two down months? a little bit? Um, let me say this, though. This is going to take it back full circle to the beginning of our conversation, our first call. If you build a house like this and it's worth $1.1 and it costs you $625,000 to build, you could get a five-year arm, live in it for two years, list it, Get yourself four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars in cash. Obviously, the market has to be in a good place, but you could buy yourself five years with a lower rate than what a traditional thirty-year fixed is by getting an arm and position yourself with a beautiful property in this county. And I think that's one way to look at like if I'm th forty-five, fifty years old, how am I going to move the needle and get more money in retirement, but still enjoy myself? It's one way to do it. And I'm painting a beautiful picture right now, but I think that you got to consider that too. It, real estate is an investment. It's not just a place to live. What haven't we covered about construction loans? One of the things I think people don't think about, uh, I know if you're a builder, you're thinking about this, but if you are in these two-time close, multi-close loans, our partner has no problem lending the money to a owner who is actually the builder. Imagine how much you could either A, drive down your cost, or B, submit real bona fide invoices to a bank. Now you're getting paid to build your home. You could have subs working with you. You could really take advantage of a system that not only is good for you long term, but good for you in the short run. I mean, 
how to create business, build your own home. Get your subs some work. Get yourself some some work. Now, ultimately, if you're going to stay in that house, you're going to want to charge yourself nothing, right? Because <laughs> you're going to cut. You're going to end up paying interest on that that income, if you will, down the road. The second thing is we haven't talked at all, Dan, and I don't know if we have enough time about this, but there's one loan we're not mentioning, which is a construction loan, which is for existing homes that are in a dilapidated state or just need a little TLC. I'm talking about the ugliest homes on the nicest blocks. Mm -hmm. This is a home style loan. It's a Fannie Mae loan. It's, it's geared up for primary residents and or investors. And we can help you acquire the property and lend you the renovation costs or budget to make this home look real nice and either live in it or turn around and sell it or buy and hold. In this market, buy and hold is the way to go right now. You could buy a three-bedroom, turn it into a four-bedroom, and rent it to Cal Poly students. Yeah, the the rehab loans are great for existing construction that either needs updating, needs some actual repairs um, yep. due to some deferred maintenance or yep. some, I don't know, whatever whatever it is. It can be minor things it yeah. can be you know it needs a new roof and that's it and then and then it's ready to go it can be major it yeah. can be adding adding bathrooms it can be you know just totally gutting the house and and you know completely redoing it from the studs it, it can be there's a whole range of what you can do with these rehab yeah rehab loans i got one more it could be i've got a borrower we're setting up right now he's a firefighter he uh he is a wage paid earner got his first house. Um, he did get some money from dad. He's got some decent equity. It's an R2 property in slow. He's got a little house on the front of the property and a big deep lot. And he's going to build a second unit on the back. And he, and in that unit, he's going to have an upstairs and downstairs a studio on the bottom, two units on the top already approved by the city with a, a under, under the two unit part, uh, part of the property. So it'll be upstairs and downstairs. He'll have a garage. So he meets the compliance for parking He's going to rent that back unit out. He's going to end up starting to to claw back at his mortgage and reduce his cost in a property here in Slow. We're going to do that all with a finance product that we offer for home selling. And that's a it's a just a great loan. It it really is. It's a it's another it's a, a essentially a one time closed construction loan, but it's rehabilitating an, an existing home versus building brand new That's so right. it's great you get the you know again the benefits of this one-time process is yeah. you get to lock in the rate today on a fixed rate product and you get to build or rehab your home to exactly the way you want it and there's nothing stopping you when you're done <laughs> to do another loan that's just an investor loan you can move out of that parcel altogether rent both units out as long as you have 25 percent equity we can get you an investor's loan right after the construction's done and you can have a cash flowing property. Hope, hopefully anyone who's interested in building, we've, we've piqued your interest and you'll be calling us next week. The number to the office is 543-LOAN, 543-5626. If you want to learn more, you know, just have a recap what we've talked about today about construction loans. Cause there's, there's a lot to know. I, I know we're just scratching the surface of what these programs offer and how they work. There's, um, there's a lot to them. They're, they're not just yeah. your cookie cutter refi type of deal. Definitely. It's a, there, there's a lot of moving parts. So, um, yeah. if you're, if this is for you, we'd love to hear from you. Um, 
you know, when you're ready to, to start talking about building a home, um, five, four, three loan is the number to the office right now. We need to take our last commercial break of the show. Are we ready to do that? Um, so we are going to do that and we'll be right back to close things up. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, we've just got a few minutes left in today's show, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna close it out with a phone call. We've got Matt calling from Morro Bay. Good morning, Matt. Uh, oh hi. Um, yeah, my question is that on the VA construction loan, you mentioned a maximum of four hundred and seventeen. Um, is that only for construction? Because I know if you just buy a home. You can get lent up to six hundred and twenty-five uh, for through the VA. Yeah, do you want to answer that, Dan, or should I? Uh, so yeah, that's correct. We actually um, and Matt, good good delineation. So with a construction loan where you're building the property, the loan balance is four seventeen. Mainly that's okay. due to the risk, but yeah, in a conventional purchase. You can even go higher than six twenty five. We actually have lenders now that will do a VA jumbo loan, where we can go up to a million dollar loan as long as the and we we do take into consideration your debt to income. Um, when you're 
when you're a vet, you don't have mortgage insurance, so that helps, but you have quite a bit of flexibility there. Um, the other thing we look at is your certificate of eligibility. So you might, be, because you have been a vet, you might have different fees right now. If you're a disabled vet, you have no fees to close that loan. So um, really good point as far as purchasing goes. Yeah, it's going to go way above 417. Okay, and another quick follow-up on the, you're talking about repair or renovation. Rehab, yeah. Renovation. Does the VA do those? Um, I, I don't believe so. That's um, a Fanny product. Yeah. Matt, so that's a standard conventional product. Yeah. VA, okay. yeah. VA, do, to my knowledge, it does not offer a rehab, um, component. It, it only offers the buying the, the good condition existing home or build a brand new home. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, thank you. Great show. I uh, love listening to you guys. It's uh, great information. Great. Very cool. Thanks for calling, Appreciate Matt. the feedback, Matt. All right. Um, yeah, so that that is most of the, the loans um, that are out there through the agencies, Fannie, um, FHA, I think even USDA offers a rehabilitation component, um, but VA does not. VA's, VA's, of all the loan programs, probably the most particular about the property, about the condition of property. Yeah. You know, Property standards are high across the board, but VA um, does a little bit extra. Just wants to make sure that the folks, the veteran that's getting a home, that's buying a home, is getting a good quality home. Yeah, it's it's really um, a big focus with that VA loan. Um, so yeah, the nature of the rehab loan product is that you're not getting a home that's a good quality. You will at the end of it all, but initially. So I don't know. It just Yep. Maybe it's there, but we don't we don't offer it. Um, we're we're cleared for landing. Jim says the landing uh, gear is potentially going it's down. Getting here. to be about that time, huh? Yeah. Well, talked um, about a lot today. It's it has gone by quickly. Um, I think today's show is something that just based on feedback and phone calls we're getting in the office, it's something people are really interested in learning more about. So we're glad we had the opportunity to share with you all of the different ways you can build a new home here on the Central Coast with financing. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's conventional FHA, VA, or a jumbo portfolio construction loan, we can offer any one of those options for you. Um, you just have to give us a call and we can talk about your project and about your financial goals and match you up to the right product for you. Right. And I, just to amend to that, I think it's so great to have these options. You know, we talk about rates all the time. When you're sitting down at a table, being able to build your own home, rate is important, but now you've got so much more value out of that house. You know, sometimes people buy a home because it fits the budget. Imagine having a house that you actually put on paper and designed and now you're walking through it and it's yours. Yeah, you're you're not going to care as much about rates as you normally would. All right. It's uh, it's the end of the show. We're so glad that you were able to join us this weekend. Um, We are Central Coast Lending. We are the mortgage experts uh, here in your neck of the woods, the Central Coast. You can give us a call at 543-LOAN, 543-5626. One phone number rings all of our offices. You can also find us online at centralcoastlending.com. You can learn about the different loan programs that are available. You can also begin the loan application process right online, centralcoastlending.com. We will see you next week on the radio.